Hello, and welcome back to The Road to Permanency, our podcast series. Today, we will be discussing part eight on aging out. We also have a very special guest joining us all the way from Timmins, Felicity. And today, I will be your host, as always, Gracie. So I'm Felicity. I'm 21. I was supposed to have aged out of care in January, but because of this pandemic and the lockdown, um, my agency has decided to keep me on till COVID's over with. Um, my pronouns are her and she. I, I go to Northern College for social work. I'm in my first year, well, second semester, and I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you here today, Felicity, and hear about your experience on you know, the process of aging out and what the nerves have been like for you and what your experience has been. Do you want to give some examples of the supports that were available to you in this process? Well, I guess the supports would be like my worker and like counseling. Um, We actually, normally we would have met up in person to discuss like moving past care, but because of COVID, we did more Zoom calls. So we had Everyone who was involved in my circle, from like my workers, um, their manager, uh, my counselor, other people who were just in my, you know, professional circle, I guess. Um, and we talked about how it was going, to, how it was going to happen. Um, the last time I was going to get funding, all these un- like questions that I had didn't have answers. So I had that. It was very nerve wracking, though. Uh, like it's like wow, like I'm done this chapter in my life. Like that's that's over. I'm no longer going to have these workers anymore. I'm no longer going to receive the support from Neofax or the support financially. And that was difficult because it's like, what do I do now? But they did help try and help me navigate through that. So that was good, but it was definitely a nerve wracking thing. Yeah. Are there any specific supports like you find like you don't have that could have been helpful? Like just hearing other people going through it and knowing that it wasn't, I felt very alone through it. Cause it's like, I couldn't see, I couldn't see them. I couldn't, I felt like I really couldn't talk to them. Cause it's like, when do you have that time for communication? Like through zoom, like that's just not, I don't know. It's not the same. So I don't know. There was that, that was a challenge. Yeah. Like you probably almost felt like you're going through it alone. Right. Yeah. yeah. And especially cause of the pandemic. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who, has felt like this through this so has there been any specific challenges surrounding the idea of aging out and the pandemic that it has specifically posed for you it was definitely the financial aspect because I could always reach out to those workers if I needed them in the future like I know if I had to reach out to Jose or Chantel I could it was the what am I going to do now like I can't work like there's no like my we're not working right now so I'm like I can't how am I gonna pay for my rent like I'm on my own now so I guess that was a challenge too and you also mentioned that you're in social work in school right now and was that another obstacle for you like figuring out how to pay for your education on top of rent and living necessities um yes thank god for OSAP um (laughs) thank, thank you for that um that really helped um but yeah it was it was difficult and even just um trying to the stress so this all kind of came during when exams were ending so I had exams and then I also had thinking about moving on beyond care and that was 
very overwhelming. I was very anxious all the time. Like for a constant month, I was very nervous because it was like, that's such a big thing that's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Can you, uh, Felicity, maybe discuss uh, what it's like, you know, maybe not having trauma-informed mental health care resources and the effect that that can have on youth aging out of care who are dealing with this anxiety on top of aging out of the system and maybe even like you doing their final exams. So I personally have more attachment issues. So I like my workers very attached to, I've always been, I, I, that's my number one goal. When I get a new workers, I want to be like attached to them. So I guess it was um, also another process to let that person go. I'm not good at that. <laughs> not good at that at all. Um, so they kind of took a step back. So in the, in the sense that did help, but there was also like, they took a step back, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I didn't have that. I feel like maybe um, they should almost be able to like, not just like when you aged out, you're done with care. Like you don't have a work. They should continue that even longer <laughs> than supposed to. Cause it's like, you've had that person in your life for like, what? Like I've had Jose in my life for four years and it's like, then she's going to be gone. Like, no. <laughs> so I guess they could have like, maybe, I don't know, a program or maybe have people who are aging out like together. You know what I mean? Like, you know how they do those like meetings with the kids, something like that, like something that you don't feel so like alone. <laughs> if that makes yeah. any sense. <laughs> Yeah, like, because when you age out, you don't want to be, like, completely cut off from all your support systems. Like, yeah, this podcast is called The Road to Permanency. And, like, being a youth in care, it's really hard to find those people that are your permanent people. And even sometimes it could be a social worker. It could be a youth in care you met. And cutting that off immediately on top of losing the financial support is almost, like, overwhelming. Yeah, it really is. And I, I, I really don't think the cutoff should be 21. Mm-hmm. I think it should be more case to case so like I'm in school so like I I feel like well my friends their parents pay for their tuition their parents pay for them to live in the dorm so until they're like done school I feel like that should be kind of the same for someone who's still in school like I see if you're like if you've already graduated you already have a job I see you don't need that support like the financial support, but it's like, I'm, I'm still in school. <laughs> I 100% agree on that. I definitely think like it should be a case to case thing because mm-hmm. I do think, you know, like some youth, like when they're aged out, they might already have a job or they might already, already be finished school. They might already be in a more permanent situation, but there is yeah. some youth who have dreams and, you know, like I know it always says like, as a youth in care, we should dare to dream, but if we can't dare to dream without these supports, and like, for me, for example, like I'm aging out while I'll still be in school and while I still aspire to go to law school, like how am I going to continue that? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a fear I have when I do age out. Like it's for sure going to be difficult and not overly excited for it, but I've learned to be resourceful. So I know I'll figure out my way. Do you want to like share some like tips and like strategies of how you like develop some resources to cope through this challenge? since you're losing your social worker aspect that it might not be your number one concern, but it should be up there in the concern. Um, so it'd be like finding a counselor, someone you have that connection who can also check in on you is amazing. 
And then financial aspect, well, I'm in school, so I have OSAP. Um, or you can always do Ontario Works if you have a disability. So it's like, it's all those different things that you just kind of have to figure out. Or if you work part-time while in school, it's not always ideal for certain people, and especially not now, but, you know, got to figure that out. So Felicity, I'm not sure if you've recently heard of this article that's been circulating around the news of Alberta stopping the moratorium support during COVID-19 for youth that are aging out. Once you age out, you just age out. And even the social factors that are occurring within our world are not taken into account. Once you age out, there's no more support. They also changed the age of aging out from 24 to 22. Do you have any thoughts on this and anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, so I don't think that that's fair for those people in Alberta. Like, so I'm 21, I should have aged out. And because of the pandemic, I didn't. Like, I'm still receiving the supports, as I said before. Um, I, I feel like those kids should still be receiving that support. Like, we all can't work, you know, the pandemic. Like, I'm sure it's just as bad there as, as, it, as it is here in Ontario. So, like, there's not much job opportunities with things being closed. I don't see how that, I don't see how that's okay. <laughs> I really don't. Um, and I, for them changing the age, I feel like now we're going backwards instead of going forwards with things. Because now we're, like, cutting people off earlier instead of letting them fully develop with support, I guess. We have trauma. You can't do that to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, even we see like, we hear about schools and like universities, colleges, they're like doing like satisfactory slash not satisfactory gradings. Like they're considering social conditions that are happening in the yeah. world that might make someone's grade lower. But it's like our own system that like knows what we have gone through that have known our whole permanency journey is in some way, I guess, failing us and failing youth. They're not considering the social factors of the world and everything the youth has went through to that point, and they're just immediately cutting it off. It's like almost like they're just kind of like letting go of youth who have so much potential. And it makes me like sad. Yeah, it makes me angry. Like, why? I don't see why. Exactly. Like, I don't. They said, I remember like them talking about like in the article that like they, after like reviewing it, it's like not a large amount of the population is like affected by this, but like then it shouldn't be that much money to continue to support youth and care. Exactly. If it's not that large of a population, then why do you need to cut it? Exactly. Like really. And like maybe I see maybe not giving them the, the full amount, like as a, as like a working with them but like at least some of it like you can't just roll people out like that's not fair <laughs> yeah and exactly like what we talked about before like the whole evaluating like case by case like mm-hmm. youth and care and like their journey and their story and everything we went through it's so delicate and like I feel like we should be handled as such like especially like aging out like it takes a lot for us to warm up to people, you know, like you said, like you got to attach to a, your social worker. Like I've definitely yeah. felt that, like I got attached to a social worker and then it changes. And then 
you had to take time to like gain trust with another worker you know what i mean so it's like imagine yeah. just losing all of that completely it's it, a really it's, scary it's thought terrifying it's absolutely terrifying like I, I don't want that i don't want that yet <laughs> and it's like here i am like i'm about to and probably not long like i'm gonna have to deal with that it's like i don't want that <laughs> yeah like you do you have any idea like when the moratorium type of thing like will stop like did they give you any estimate or is it just like it's gonna stop when the pandemic's over type of thing um well so they did say march but they did say that they're guessing it will continue longer just because of how long this uh, lockdown has gone on that it's just going to continue and I don't know if Mm -hmm. they're going to um, just cut it off once the lockdown's done or if they're going to continue until COVID's not a thing anymore I have no idea it's up in the air yeah Um, what does that feel like for you not very good (laughs) (laughs) like a whirlpool and I'm spinning in it have you done anything to prepare to that possible date like it must be hard to even find jobs right now, given the clo- current global climate yeah. of, you know, there's so many people are being unemployed every day. I mean, I personally work at Starbucks and like over 300 stores in Ontario closed. I'm so lucky that mine was the only one on Bank Street like not to close. Um, so I, I found a job during COVID at the college that I attend. So it's kind of perfect. And it's really good to have on my resume. Um, but like, they're not doing it because of the lockdown because no one's going into the building. So there's mm. that. So I'm like, I know once COVID's done, I'll be like this lockdown's done. Sorry. I'll like still be able to go back, but it's waiting till then. And it's like, oof, hurry. <laughs> you must be like scared to like apply to other jobs because it's like, you don't really know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not much here. Like they have, some of the nursing homes like the nursing homes and it's like well I'm not really qualifying for that or like in the mines and I'm like well I'm not qualifying for that either <laughs> so it's, it's yeah and it's challenge. like all Even, these jobs need an education right yeah and it's like okay well you can't really do that <laughs> and you're currently like in your education so that's like another like fear of yeah the support being cut off do you want to maybe describe like your educational path for youth who are currently listening? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's long. <laughs> so I, I'm currently in social work. So it's, I needed it to get to do my bachelor's in university. So it's two years. I've extended it longer. So I'm going to do it for three just because the course itself is a lot. <laughs> it's, you'll have like seven courses a semester and it's so many assignments. So I got it cut down and even now it's still a lot. So I'm like, okay, this is a good choice. Um, and then university do my bachelor's for two years and then more university to do my master's. Um, I don't know if I want to cut it off there or go get my PhD because I, I want to make some sort of a difference. I don't like, maybe not um, like children in care, but like, so I have borderline personality disorder and I think, there's a lot of stuff in that area that is very needs like worked at. And I would love to do that. I would love to like figure out like something for it other than just like DBT and CBT, maybe like another treatment or something. I feel like I want to change something and that is what I want to change. I don't know why. No, that's amazing. And you can use your personal experience of what you've gone through to help make that a reality. Exactly. 
it's not a disability it's uh it's a superpower is what Kanye West said or something I don't know (laughs) that's so cool I love that how like so you just mentioned that you like do struggle like a little bit with like mental health has that Mm -hmm. been hard for you like during the pandemic and during this process of not really knowing when you're gonna age out um yes well so when the pandemic first started I was I wasn't doing anything about my mental health so when the pandemic started that's what I decided I was going to focus on so instead of sitting um and like letting it like you know things like everyone had anxiety about the lockdown of course like it was scary like we saw the death rates like that's terrifying to see and it's also terrifying to see someone with already anxiety on top of that (laughs) so I really wanted to work on my mental health so I really grew myself as a person and it, it was hard and it's still hard. Like even now I'm like, this is terrifying. Like what a terrifying world we're living in. And then on top of that school and on top of that aging out and everything, it was, it's been overwhelming, but I'm doing pretty good. I think. Yeah. That's amazing that you use like all this free time to really just work on yourself. You know, yeah. I totally felt that like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like so close to going into panic and like, yeah. I was like in a different school program and, I really just decided to sit down with myself and like start journaling and getting back into poetry and focusing more on like me and what I want to do. And like, I think that's really important during this time. Like if you do have extra time on yourself, like rather than focusing on, you know, what, what is in the future? Like I know a lot of youth who are struggling about like scared about aging out, maybe what you said, like focus on yourself right now and focus on bettering who you are and just really like getting yourself grounded because that probably will help make that process even more stable and even more like less overwhelming for you. Yeah. And not even just kids in care, kind of everybody, like kind of anyone who's going through this, like really sit down and like discover yourself. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. The stuff that you'll figure out. Like one of my, well, one thing with borderline is we don't really know ourselves. We're constantly switching like from like one day I'll have like long hair. One day I'll have short hair because I've cut it off like very drastic changes so it's like really get to know yourself and what you like just just in general like I feel like everyone should really do that yeah and just find what makes you happy at the end of the day because that's all that matters we see that more during ever more now during the ever during this pandemic you know it's like you're stuck inside so you definitely got to be doing something you enjoy exactly find something you can do inside maybe outside but like (laughs) yeah (laughs) Social distance, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, social distance. Wear your mask, honey. (laughs) Exactly. Now, do you have any ideas on what child welfare professionals could do to secure necessary resources for them, for like youth who are aging out before and after the process? That was a really detailed question. Wow. I know you did like, you did mention like maybe just like having more support groups, like I don't know if you ever had this, but, like, for us here, like, we have this thing where we meet online, like, every Wednesday or whatever, and, like, we just, like, talk mm-hmm. to youth in care and, like, play, like, random games or whatever, but it's still nice, because, yeah. like, you get to connect with people who actually, like, go through similar things to you. We do that, too, but I feel like it's not as, like, I don't know, you don't really know the people, because it's more, it, I don't know, it's not really directed towards that, it's more, like, oh, we're doing yoga or, like, bingo. (laughs) Yeah, you can't get to know someone over bingo. No, for bingo, like, (laughs) hey, did you get B4? Like, (laughs) 
So it's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I think a group of just like kids who are getting to the point of aging out, like just that and not like, not like the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be good because it's like, well, then it's like, you know, you're not again alone. You're not alone during this. And um, I don't know. And then you can make those supports with those people. Another idea I was thinking of is like, People like you, like, who are, like, kind of going through the process and, like, people who have already been through the process, like, it would be really cool to have people like you come and talk to, like, people of more, like, my demographic who are, like, 20, like, getting close to aging out. It would be cool to, like, come talk to us and, like, you know, like, tell us your experience and, like, help, like, ease our anxiety about it. So this podcast is really good because yeah. just listening to you talk is really helping me. So I'm sure you're going to be helping a lot of youth and anyone who's currently struggling right now. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Do you have any specific advice that you'd want to give to youth who have aged out of care or going to age out of care that are currently struggling with this transition process? I mean, it's also hard for me because technically I haven't aged out of care. But I mean, again, make connections with other people, even if it's not with like your worker that you had, try and make uh, a solid connection with like a counselor or even try and transition. I recommend transitioning. Like, so, you know how when they will switch over your file, how they'll, they'll introduce you to the new worker with the old worker, and then, like, you kind of will slowly transition. I think that'd be a great idea to sort of do with care. <laughs> that would be, like, do that with, like, a counselor. So then you have someone you can always talk to. Um, again, safety planning. Like, so if you are feeling some sort of way, what are you going to do? Because the one thing that you do going in, to panicking is you don't know what to do. <laughs> You're like, who do I call? Who do I talk to? What do I do? So it's like, make those safety plannings and your worker should help you with that. <laughs> That's kind of their job. And then I, I don't know, really, try and keep your head up. I don't know. It's, it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. And it's hard to like give advice. Cause again, it's like case to case. Some kids are more than excited to get out of care and some kids are dreadful of it so mm -hmm. I mean it definitely you're right it definitely does depend on the experience you've had during care but there definitely yeah. is a lot of youth who are scared to leave and I definitely yeah. think the things you said are really helpful you know like it is important to have a, a better transition process and I, I really agree with you there because not a lot of youth in care are matched with like a trauma-informed counselor yeah. or like someone like after care so it's like we're so used to venting to a social worker or venting to someone in care that mm -hmm. when we get out and maybe we can't talk to them anymore or something like that like we need like someone like a trauma-informed counselor to talk to so I think that's really vital too exactly really really look at all your options and again like I feel your social worker should be helping you with that like even then it's also like well I'm leaving back behind something that was such a part of me like I feel like I've lost a part of myself because now it's like I'm not that like I'm not I'm not a CCSY anymore I'm whatever now like I'm on my own so that is mm -hmm. difficult it's almost like a struggling with like a sense of identity loss yeah yeah exactly and because we do like hold our identity so close to like our permanency circle like it can be like even like harder to go through but I do think like an important thing to remember is like we've mentioned before, like you're not alone during this process. Like even though it can feel like it, you really need to like lay back on your supports that you have and yeah. just keep your head up. Like you said, you know, like 
keep a positive mindset and yeah. hopefully, you know, things will get better. Just take it day by day. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's hard now, but soon it won't be. And everyone says that like, oh, it's hard now, it'll get better. And like, everyone's like, yeah, it's just the journey there. It's the journey to getting better. So it's like, yes, this yeah. might be a short, you might feel something like right now, like very overwhelming, like anxiety, depression, sadness, like all that. But like at soon you're not going to, it's going to become a normal. It's just getting to that normal. And I, I definitely that. recommend counselors to everyone. Always. I'm like, everyone should be in counseling every single person. <laughs> I love that message, though, because it is so true. Like, as you can care, like, I think a lot of the time, like, oh, I won't get through this. But then I'm like, wait, I've gone through so much worse. And like, look yeah. at where I am now. I never expected to be in university. I never expected to graduate high school. I never expected to be an advocate like I am now. Be on a podcast with amazing people, you know. And yeah. it's really important. Just look at all the many successes you've done and look at how far you've come as a person. And just know that your identity does exist outside of the system and you like you said things do get better you can keep inspiring yourself you can keep making yourself proud of course there'll be things that'll knock you down along the way but just look at the person you are now and you won't even like you'll be so surprised at all the amazing things that you can do exactly and how much of, of yourself you don't know yet too and like yeah. you're just gonna it's just gonna force you to have to learn more about yourself so I mean it, it's kind of good kind of bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a self-love journey. On yeah, exactly. It's, it's a self-love <laughs> journey that you're forced into doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just want to thank you, Felicity, and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to this week's episode on our podcast, The Road to Permanency. The whole goal of our podcast is to uplift important stories like those of Felicity's and just convey the message that youth are going through current things that you are hearing in the media right now. So next time you hear on the news about a story similar to Felicity's that youth are aging out of care, I want you to remember this story and continue the conversation and continue this advocacy platform to, you know, continue the change and just keep your head up, guys, and see you next week.